welcome to Sometimes in Shambles. My name is Melissa and I'm the host of this podcast. This is another one of the Mormon religion episodes and today we're going to be talking about body image and modesty and intimacy and all of those very vulnerable topics. And Shannon is here again. Hey. (laughs) Um, So we'll be talking about body image and intimacy as it relates to how we were raised um, and what we were taught growing up in the church along with our experiences. And we're going to get into how it has affected us in different ways and how we're dealing with it right now. But before we get into all of that, we are going to answer some questions that we have gotten from our previous episodes that we've done together so we're just going to run through those questions and then we have also some responses that we want to share so the first question is you mentioned a while ago that your mom was not as religious as other mormon moms did that help after you decided to not go to church anymore and this is referring to my mom um not really because it's just like her personality like it's not it doesn't it didn't really matter if she was religious or not like it's she was just I don't know it doesn't really matter I guess because she I didn't even like really tell her or anything so there wasn't anything that I had to like worry about because I didn't even tell her I don't know I don't know how to answer this question but the simple (laughs) answer is it didn't help or not help (laughs) like it was kind of irrelevant so the next question is looking back does Shannon wish she told her brother sooner like with her parents um, the answer to that is not necessarily. I mean, the, I, the way I had chosen to tell him or not tell him what, like, was for a reason, mostly I just wish that I wasn't forced to make that decision by someone else. So, yeah, I don't necessarily wish I told him sooner. I just kind of, like, wish it had been up to me more than it was. Um, the next question what's Colby's side of the experience uh that would probably take a long time to tell so um I'm just gonna say if you want to know Colby's experience ask him (laughs) um I don't want to speak for him but he I mean we kind of went through it together side by side but I think we do have some different thoughts about it so if you're interested in that Send him a message. I'm sure he will talk to you about it. Would you guys recommend leaving the church to people your age if they feel like they're dealing with guilt a lot or questioning the religion they grew up in? What's your advice for those people? For me, I mean, I don't recommend just leaving the church. I kind of just recommend, like, if you're questioning it, like, push those questions and, like, find out for yourself, like, what you really believe. And, like, I think that's an okay thing to do to, like, question your beliefs. Um, and I think it's kind of healthy to do that anyway. Um, just make sure you're happy, I guess. And like the guilt thing, I don't really, if you're struggling with the guilt part of it, then I think that probably will lead you to questioning the religion if it's really bothering you. Yeah. I feel like that's kind of like a, a interesting question. Like I'm not going to recommend everyone should leave the church. That's such a personal decision. So yeah, just figure it out for yourself and do, yeah, what you think is the right thing for you. Yeah. Um, Was there anything you wish you heard or saw from non-religious people when you were going through your coming out process? For me, probably not. 
Um, I appreciated the support of my non-religious friends and most of them were like, yeah, like that's, you should figure that out, like, and stuff like that. But I also think that, I don't know if like a lot of people who haven't been in a high demand religion really understand what it's like. And so I don't think there's really any way they can make it easier other than just like being there. Yeah, I agree. I think it's kind of hard to talk to people who haven't been in a religion like the Mormon church because they just don't understand the same in the same way. So there's nothing that they can really say that would have helped. Um, <clears throat> the next question, does Shannon judge people who stay in the church but also support LGBTQ? Yeah, I'm extremely judgmental. <laughs> Um, no, of course not. I think it's such a hard thing to figure out. And I dealt with that for such a long time and stayed in the church for such a long time. And I think you just, again, have to do what's best for you. And if you feel like you can do both and that makes you happy, then I think that's great. I just think it wasn't possible for me. Yeah. And I think it's like important to remember that there are so many people that are still in the church that don't that only believe parts of it and not Mm -hmm. other parts of it and like i think that's okay if you're getting happiness from some of it then do that you know like it's a lot of i think growing up a lot of people make it seem like it's an all or nothing thing like if you believe one thing you believe all of it or if you don't believe one thing then you don't believe any of it and i don't think that's true like you can agree with how Mormons believe they raised their family and I don't know not agree in their stance on LGBTQ so like I don't know there's it's like a lot of gray area okay so now we have some responses we just have two of kind of ways that people responded to our last episodes that we liked I guess (laughs) okay so this first response is from our friend Kelsey She said, wanted to say it was a good episode. I've stayed active and I continue with some of my battles, very similar to some of Shannon's, but wanted to let you know that I stand with your decision to leave and I'm here, an active LDS member, saying that staying isn't for everyone and I applaud all who do leave because I recognize how hard it would be. I wish I could have been your support system. Thanks, Kelsey. Yep. (laughs) Um, Okay, this one is from one of my friends um, that I met through Instagram, and she kind of replied with her story about telling her own family that she decided to leave the church. Um, So she said, we recently told our families, my mom's been texting me every day to try to convince me to believe in the church again, and some of my husband's siblings unfriended us on Facebook. One of his siblings said she supports our decision, so that was nice. It's been tough, but it's relieving to have that over with, even though it didn't go super well, and it'll probably be hard for a while. And then she also said, my husband's brother actually got an email from the church saying they didn't have our records, and he told his parents, so we ended up having to tell them before we were ready. Them kind of knowing before we got a chance to explain was really tough and annoying. That's kind of a rough story, and sorry that happened to you but I think that's just another example of how important it is to react with love if Mm -hmm. someone tells you 
Yeah. And don't unfriend them on a Facebook. I know. It's so petty. So stupid. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they don't believe in the same thing I do. <laughs> unfriend. <laughs> uh, whatever. All right. So now we're jumping into it. I'm so scared. <laughs> so yeah, just a disclaimer. In no way do we want to offend, discredit, or change anyone's views about the LDS church and their standards or beliefs, or to say that the church should change their standards. We both have those same beliefs and follow those teachings for about 24 years. Everything said in this episode are our honest and true feelings currently after leaving the church, and they are based off of our own personal experiences and not meant to be generalized for everyone. We understand that everyone has different beliefs, points of views, and experiences. These are ours. Okay, so the first um, topic that we're going to go into is kind of just about modesty shannon's experience with wearing garments and body image okay so i guess i'll start which i just want to say like most of this episode will just be us sharing our experiences like we don't want to project our beliefs even though we do have different beliefs now than what's taught in the church um but modesty is something that i am like so passionate about and so against so if i get a little i don't know passionate about this just bear with me because just be passionate <laughs> just do it and yeah. also i think modesty also is like it's not necessarily just a church yeah thing. exactly it's like it's definitely pushed a lot in our in mormon the mormon church but also like it's a society and cultural thing yeah so a few years ago maybe some of you remember this but there was this blog post that went viral where a woman talked about why she decided to no longer wear leggings. And she wasn't LDS. She was, like, Christian of some other faith. Um, but she kind of went into this whole thing of, like, why she wasn't going to wear leggings because it caused men's thoughts to become lustful. And she, like, talked to her 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 parents, her <laughs> husband, about it. And he was like, yeah, I always look at other women when I'm at the gym. And so she was like, yeah, I'm not going to wear leggings anymore and no one else should because it's immodest. (laughs) So I got so fired up about this and I wrote my own response and about why I will keep wearing leggings. And it also went viral. It had tons and tons of views, which was crazy. Um, But basically I talked about how Modesty is a social construct that is extremely damaging to both men and women, and it's just not a good thing in general. So in the LDS church, they have some guidelines for the teenagers in the church, and they say, immodest clothing is any clothing that is tight, sheer, or revealing in any other manner. Young women should avoid short shorts and short skirts, shirts that do not cover the stomach and clothing that does not cover the shoulders or is low cut in the front or back. Young men should also maintain modesty in their appearance. (laughs) Whatever that means. (laughs) So this is what we were kind of taught growing up. But for me, like I wasn't that concerned about it. Like my parents encouraged me to be modest, but like during the summer like I would wear shorts I never wore spaghetti straps but I wore tank tops and I pretty much just like wore whatever I felt comfortable in and during that time I also feel like I had a pretty good relationship with my body like during high school and college which maybe is not the norm um I don't know but I feel like I was pretty lucky with that Um, I do remember one church lesson about modesty and body image. 
where our teachers were talking about how so many women and girls are insecure about their bodies and how that must be a special trial from God for women. And I remember sitting there like, what are they even talking about? Like, I don't feel that way. Like, I'm not that insecure. And also, like, why would God purposely make women sad about themselves or hate their bodies like that was just so weird to me so that was kind of like my experience with modesty growing up but right around the time I got married I started to have a really really bad body image and this is also the same time I started wearing garments so what garments are they're underwear for endowed members of the church which is like members who have been through the temple and they have a bunch of symbolism that's taught in the temple and things like that. They look like a short sleeve undershirt and then kind of like boxer briefs that go to at least mid-thigh, sometimes longer. And this is for both men and women. <clears throat> when I started wearing those, I actually started having really, really bad body image and like feeling really unattractive and ugly. And one thing I used to do before wearing garments I would just stand in front of the mirror in my underwear and just like look at my body and like point out all the things I liked about it which everyone should do this like if you're not doing this do it it's the <laughs> best um but with garments like I legit could not do that anymore because I was just like covered up and it looked so strange and basically unattractive to me and I also felt like I couldn't wear anything that made me feel confident anymore. I had to donate one of my very favorite dresses, which, by the way, was not even immodest. It had sleeves, and it was to the knee, but the neckline was just, like, barely too wide. And I cried about that for, like, two days. And it pretty much felt like I would never feel attractive again. Eventually, I just started wearing jeans and t-shirts every day because... I knew that like there would, wouldn't be any problems. I wouldn't get disappointed about not being aware of something else. And it was just like easy. And then another thing about that time was like, I was always uncomfortable, especially in the summer. Garments are actually pretty comfortable, but in the summer, like you're basically adding on another layer of clothes. And so you were always so hot. I couldn't find shorts that were cute. And so I always wore pants or long dresses and like just being uncomfortable in your body you don't you just cannot feel good about yourself even if you even if your body is what you want it to be if you're uncomfortable like you're just not going to feel confident so all of this kind of leads to feeling unattractive and when you feel unattractive to yourself it translates into how you feel in front of your partner which kind of leads into like the sex thing so, and like the purpose of modesty, basically what it's taught is that it's to prevent men from feeling lustful because women are a sexual object, but it leads to the exact opposite, which is I was not in tune with my own sexuality, I was unattractive, and I didn't want to have sex because of it. Like I just always felt ugly and it doesn't make me want to like get undressed or like do anything. Since I stopped wearing garments, I have actually been able to regain my good relationship with my body for the most part obviously I still have insecurities but I can now feel like I can wear whatever I that makes me feel comfortable I can be free and feel much more attractive and I think like um clothes are like such a 
easy way to like show your personality also Mm -hmm. and I feel like it's just like another thing that we've talked about in other episodes where like being in the church made us feel like we couldn't be ourselves I think that's like another thing on top of it totally that like adds to it yeah and so it was almost this kind of like forced modesty that I don't know I wasn't like against wearing garments but I was very against how they made me feel and um it I just think it continues to send the message that like women's bodies are for sex and like there's just this idea that you're taught growing up that like you have something secret and sacred and that you should save that for the only one special person and but that thing isn't your intelligence or your sense of humor or your talents or something that makes you who you are it's your body Mm -hmm. and like what kind of message is that sending where like the most important thing you have that you should keep is your body yeah like that's so scary and this is like in that podcast too Mm -hmm. um that we'll talk about later but they said the same thing like what if you went on a date with someone and you're thinking like oh well I can't show them how smart I am yet because like that's a that's a special and like sacred thing but like we don't we don't think that way so why should we think that way about like our body also exactly um so in conclusion (laughs) modesty is a way to control women in my opinion and let men avoid responsibility and I think whether you believe in God or not women were not made to hate themselves they were not made to keep they were not given bodies to keep them secret they were not made to feel less than just because of the body that they have so that is my opinion about modesty (laughs) how about you um there's something else i was gonna go back to i was gonna say that like i i do think that women subconsciously are taught that we are only made to reproduce which therefore means we're only there for sex Mm -hmm. like because it's the only way to reproduce and like that's all the church teaches is like your purpose on earth is to have children yeah it's true and in order to have children you have to be married and so like that's why it's so focused around marriage and dating and all that stuff and then it's just sending a message that like that's a woman's purpose Mm -hmm. and it's so sad to me (laughs) yeah agreed um yeah for me modesty was just like a huge social thing growing up like especially in high school um I guess that doesn't really make sense but I how it affected me was it affected me socially especially in California in the desert it would get up to like 120 degrees and so on a really hot day like everybody pretty much all year everyone would be wearing like short shorts and tank tops and then I'm in pants and a t-shirt because I just like didn't feel comfortable wearing shorter shorts it wasn't necessarily that like my mom was making me do that she she really didn't like like she wanted us to like follow the guidelines of the church but she wasn't very strict about it I guess so like there were times when I wanted to buy like shorter shorts and she's like "Eh, no I don't think so but I think that was just like a mom thing in Mm -hmm. general but for the most part it was me telling myself that I couldn't wear those things um and then like people would just think that I'm crazy and like they wouldn't understand why I can't wear shorts and it's incredibly hard to explain and it definitely just like put me on the outs of everybody else at my school because my mom was like more lenient and didn't really care like if 
I did, I did own like a pair of shorter shorts. Um, but I was just always self-conscious to wear them because my whole life I didn't wear shorter shorts. And so it was like, I know like this is a dumb thing, but like everyone at my school is tan because we live in a summer year round place. (laughs) And, but like, I wasn't tan, like, because I would wear pants all the time, you know? So it was just like a huge, like self-conscious thing. I remember one specific story. Like, I remember this, like it was yesterday. Um, my senior year for prom, I remember being so adamant about having a dress with sleeves. And again, like my mom did not care at all what I wore, but I insisted on it because that was what I was comfortable in from wearing only sleeves my entire life. It was almost impossible to find cute dresses that I loved with sleeves in California. And like, even online, it was really, really hard to find. And I did not want to wear one of those like little Mormon shawls that like <laughs> I people definitely wear. Wore those. I wore them in high school at some dances because it's so hard to find yeah. dresses with sleeves. And I even remember um, in eighth grade, in like our promotion to ninth grade, I bought a dress that I really loved. And then I had to get one of those shawls like custom made because my dress was yellow. And so like oh, nothing yeah. really matched with it. And it just like makes you feel ugly, like, or me at least made me feel so ugly wearing, having to wear one of those things all the time. So I did not want one of those on like prom. So I ended up getting my dress handmade and little like side note. I remember one day in class, I was talking to some of my friends about like this dress problem and how it was like impossible to find a dress that I liked that had sleeves. And I was just like really struggling with it. And one friend just like blew up over it and she was like this is so ridiculous and it was just crazy how much I cared about it and like why don't I just like forget about the sleeves because it's just like an extra two inches of material and it became such an issue that I was no longer in her prom group or her party or whatever um and we didn't talk for like years like we barely started talking a couple years ago again yeah it was like insane but back to the dress I still wasn't confident in it because it was handmade and it was so different like you could tell it wasn't store-bought like it wasn't ugly or anything but it just like wasn't one that I loved because it didn't have like the beading that like everyone's prom dresses had and like it had sleeves which obviously made me like different and it just made me like stick out and I felt like I just didn't belong and wasn't comfortable in it even though like sleeves I think in my mind sleeves was like I'm comfortable in sleeves but it still I still wasn't because I wasn't wearing something that I really loved um and like side note I felt like this my entire existence in high school I felt like I didn't belong because of all the things surrounding the church like I listened to different music or like couldn't listen to the music everyone else was listening to. Um, I didn't really date because I couldn't until we were juniors in high school. I didn't get invited to parties because everyone knew that I didn't drink. So it like excluded me socially a lot. Um, And then modesty, obviously, and like even language. Like if I accidentally slipped a bad word or something, people would call me out on it because they knew I couldn't. (laughs) I wasn't supposed like supposed to do that. Yeah. And like even listening to a rap song someone one time was like you shouldn't or like I thought Mormons don't listen to this so like it was just like a social out but yeah that's like my experience with it in high school at least now I don't care (laughs) there's not a lot to say about now yeah 
Okay, time to get into sex. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so scared. Well, yeah, the first thing we're going to talk about is sex education. And it kind of relates to the church. I don't know. We'll just... I'll just talk about... Well, I think the way it relates to the church is, like, within the church, and I could be totally off base on this because I'm not a parent, obviously, but I think there's this idea that, well, there's so much taught about sex at church, aka don't have it, Yeah. <laughs> um, that I think a lot of parents are just like, oh, the church is handling that. Yeah. Like, I don't need to talk to my kids about it because they're learning abstinence at church, and that's all they need to know, mm-hmm. which is not true at all Mm -hmm. because there's a lot more you need to know about sex even if you do stay abstinent until marriage and like it's just not enough and I think a lot of the problems come from like I don't expect the church to teach you about how to have good sex or even condoms or anything because they're always just going to say abstinence Mm -hmm. but it falls to the parents and they don't do it yeah Like, I feel like my mom was very open with me about sex, and that was, like, an anomaly. So many of my friends never talked to their parents about sex, or their parents never talked to them. And, um, and I think, like, I have met both men and women who knew, like, basically nothing. Like, I think I have taught my friends more sex ed than they have learned from anyone else at least some of them and even my former boyfriends like some of them I was like yeah this is (laughs) this is what's going on which is so messed up like um there's just so many people like in the church who just never learned anything and I've met both men and women who not only did not know where the clitoris is but straight up did not know it existed like had never heard that word before in their lives until after they were married like (laughs) like that's crazy and that's not okay this has nothing to do with teaching abstinence you can teach your kids abstinence but like they need to know other things like human anatomy like why didn't they take exactly (laughs) why didn't they learn that in school like i don't (laughs) so um anyway so i think we'll get into this a little more but i think like the not having the knowledge of it leads to more issues later on Mm -hmm. too yeah I feel like I grew up very naive about everything because not a single time did I ever talk about sex with my mom I never had sex talk talk with my parents or like my older sister didn't teach me anything like I knew nothing and so I just like learned things from high school because all of my friends are like having sex or like doing things with um other people and so I just like picked up on things but that doesn't mean that I was still educated like I still feel very naive and I think in the long run obviously having that conversation or even just like feeling like I could go to someone with questions would have helped me now in my situation and but like that's the thing is growing up I I felt like too embarrassed to ask anybody about it or like even look it up online. Like it was just such a taboo um, thing to talk about. And it's like, I couldn't go to church leaders or friends obviously because they're just going to tell you like, don't do it. Or they're going to like 
shame you for asking any specific questions. And then like my parents, I wasn't going to go to because I had never talked to them about that stuff before. So it was like embarrassing. And then friends, I just already felt so behind that I felt embarrassed to ask them. And like I'm 26 and I still feel so behind everybody else in regards to sex education and just like sex in general. And it's all just embarrassing to me because I was raised not talking about it. Yeah. And I think this is just going to lead into everything else, but yeah, I already said I wasn't going to get preachy, but I've already gotten preachy twice. So (laughs) (laughs) all right. Okay. So now we'll get into heavy stuff. (laughs) Okay. So the first thing I just want to like lay down what the church believes in regards to the law of chastity, which is like surrounding intimacy. Um, so this is straight from LDS.org and it is, what is the law of chastity? Quote, (laughs) we are to have sexual relations only with our spouse to whom we are legally married. No one male or female is to have sexual relations before marriage. After marriage, sexual relations are permitted only with our spouse. We have been taught that the law of chastity encompasses more than sexual intercourse. The first presidency warned young people of their sexual sins. Before marriage, do not do anything to arouse the powerful emotions that must be expressed only in marriage. Do not participate in passionate kissing, lie on top of another person, or touch the private, sacred parts of another person's body with or without clothing. Do not allow anyone to do that with you. Do not arouse those emotions in your own body. And that little section is from the um, for the strength of the youth pamphlet. So basically, this is in my mind when like looking back on it, growing up, we were taught basically down to the simplest form of it to not do anything that arouses us. So movies, music, another person, books, literally anything that arouses us is pretty much a sin and we have to repent about that. And I already have problems with this because like being aroused is a human instinct and just like a natural thing that we do and we shouldn't be told that that's bad or a sin that like we can't we literally can't help that like obviously the church is saying that like we can help watching those movies or Mm -hmm. being with that person and and that's what they teach is like don't do those things and then your body won't be aroused. But I still think that that's a problem saying like when your body reacts this way, you're sinning. Yeah. Well, and I think part of what they teach is like, don't do these things because when you're aroused, that's going to lead to sex Yeah. and sex is like the ultimate sin. Yeah. So I didn't necessarily interpret it as like being aroused as a sin, but like getting close to having sex is a sin. Oh, so like either way it's like if you have to repent for being aroused then it's basically sending the message but yeah it's just like yeah you can't help that a lot of the time yeah and um I asked I was talking to a friend last night about this and this is like a story that she had that I think kind of like depicts the arousal part of it So she said, I can distinctly remember for the first time that I ever felt sexually excited by my partner's presence. We were young. It was prom and I'd never really danced closely with a boy before. 
I was awkward and didn't know what I was doing, but he was patient and always understanding with me. I remember dancing and all of a sudden just feeling it hit me and I was enjoying myself and the feeling of it all, but I can also remember being so incredibly confused and alarmed, scared even of what was happening. I immediately stiffened up because clearly this wasn't an okay thing to be feeling. At the time, I didn't even know what it was. It was just enjoyable and naturally that seemed like it must be a bad thing. It was months later before I even understood that being turned, what being turned on was and that that is what I had felt with him on the dance floor that night. This is like so like, I don't know, like it's, I think that confusing feeling is so common where it's like, this feels good, but it's wrong. But it's wrong to feel good. Yeah. yeah. And like, I think that's like such a damaging thing to mm-hmm. think. Yeah. Agreed. Um, And then I just really, <clears throat> I'm... I'm reading a lot from like the church documents and stuff because I think it's really important to educate other people what the church teaches us. Like even things that I'll get into later with the person that I'm sort of dating right now, like, like we're having some issues and then I just started telling him more of my background and like about the sacrament that we'll talk about later. And then, um, I sent him screenshots of for the strength of youth, all of a sudden he kind of understood a little bit more because he didn't know that it was that in depth. So anyway, I'm going to read from the, that pamphlet that we are given when we're 12. Okay. The Lord's standard regarding sexual purity is clear and unchanging. Do not have any sexual relations before marriage and be completely faithful to your spouse after marriage. Do not allow the media, your peers, or others to persuade you that sexual intimacy before marriage is acceptable. It is not. In God's sight, sexual sins are extremely serious. They defile the sacred power God has given us to create life. The um, the prophet Alma taught that sexual sins are more serious than any other sins except murder or denying Holy Ghost. Never do anything that could lead to sexual transgression. Treat others with respect, not as objects used to satisfy lustful and selfish desires. Before marriage, do not participate in passionate kissing line. I already read this earlier. Mm -hmm. Um, Avoid situations that invite increased temptation, such as late night or overnight activities away from home or activities where there is a lack of adult supervision. Do not participate in discussions or any media that arouse sexual feelings. Do not participate in any type of pornography. The spirit can help you know when you are at risk and give you the strength to remove yourself from the situation. Have faith in and be obedient to the righteous counsel of your parents and leaders. And then it goes on to talk about homosexuality um, and victims of sexual abuse. And basically saying, if you're tempted to commit any form of sexual transgression, seek help from your parents and bishop. Pray to your father in heaven who will help you resist temptation and overcome inappropriate thoughts and feelings. You have committed, if you have committed sexual transgression, talk to your bishop now and begin the process of repentance so that you can find peace and have the full companionship of the spirit. I just like disagree with so much of this, (laughs) which is like, it's weird because like, this is stuff that we followed and like, like for strength, the strength of youth pamphlet was like a small little Bible. Mm-hmm. Like I read it all the time. And like, if I had questions about anything, I would just go and read it again. And like, I specifically remember like date when I was dating my boyfriend, I, the lines are so 
like blurred like how much can you kiss your boyfriend or whatever and so it's like oh I just have to go read the pamphlet again you know like it's (laughs) something that we followed like very strictly but I like again it says in here that like going against God's purpose of sex and Mm -hmm. I just think it's like why would God make us be aroused so early in life then if (laughs) we weren't supposed to do that but then I guess there's um people who get married at 12 (laughs) that's true so (laughs) maybe they're doing it right then (laughs) maybe i don't know do you have anything to say about this um well i think i'll probably talk about it later later but um just yeah i just think it's like and again, like, I don't necessarily, I'm not, we're not saying like the church should change this. No. I think we're just saying like, there are consequences to teaching these things that are not always the consequences that are intended. Yeah. And even if you follow these, I think there can still be issues that come from them later on. Yeah. I think an example of that is like in this pamphlet, we're literally 12 years old reading that sex is as bad as murder yeah and i kind of feel like you should be taught that like sex is a natural beautiful thing that you can do and then the church can teach just do it after marriage or Mm -hmm. um or your parents will teach you one way but like it shouldn't be like it's bad because i feel like and you'll get into this later but i feel like even if I had waited until marriage and even after that, I would still be struggling with it because now all of a sudden it's okay it's to fine. murder someone. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah, exactly. It's, it doesn't make sense logically. But yeah, so that is straight from the pamphlet that we were given. And then my friend last night sent me this these this card. And so she it was a sophomore in college when she got when she was given this like little card on dating. And I'm just gonna read from it. It's um, basically like rules of dating. Yeah. And it's like laminated, so you should keep <laughs> this in your wallet kind of thing. Number one, no dating someone who is not now qualified to attend the temple. To no hugging or kissing sessions, which is just I would so love good. to participate in a hugging session. A hugging session, no <laughs> hugging session. Like you can't hug. What the heck? No rubbing anywhere covered or that should be covered by garments. Dang, I can't rub a thigh. Um, no being together after midnight. Never be. She also went to BYU, so this is like falls in yeah. the honor code. Um, no being together after midnight, never be alone in a house or apartment. Like never, not even at nine in the morning. Never. Never be alone in a house or apartment. Never go into a bedroom together. Don't be seen in night clothing. Always be fully dressed. <laughs> what is night clothing? Pajama? <laughs> or lingerie? <laughs> No lying down on top of each other. Okay. No R or X-rated movies. Discuss these rules with your partner. That's number 10. 11. Long courtship, short engagement. 
It actually it says, says that. that. That was the one I was like, I read it like four times. I was like, wait, <laughs> what? It's literally telling you to have a sh- short engagement. Um, 12. <laughs> 12. Marry in a timely manner once you have found him slash her. And then it gives a quote. Walk in the spirit and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Let virtue garnish thy thoughts unceasingly. Wow. Oh, yeah. Like in college, you're given those rules that treat you like a two-year-old. Mm-hmm. Like, oh. Never be alone in the house yeah. or apartment. Well, like, the thing that's-, that's crazy about that is like, say you follow these rules and you're never alone together. And then all of a sudden you get married and you're alone together like all the time. Yeah, it's weird. Isn't that going to be awkward? Like what are you going to do? Like are you literally supposed to date date someone with other people? Like (laughs) group dating forever. I'm dating someone so you have to come over because we're going to watch a movie. Yeah. I don't know. It's very extreme to me. Um, Okay, for me, the law of chastity was always a huge, huge deal to me growing up. And I mean, it was a huge deal to everyone in the church um but i'll just say this now that i was a very quote-unquote good girl by church standards i did not have sex before marriage and honestly i never really even got close because i followed these standards like very closely um i kind of just like there's one lesson that you're kind of taught in church that's like because the lines are kind of gray um and it's kind of just like up to you whether like to know yourself and like know when you're in a bad bad situation so there's this lesson that's taught like decide what your line is and don't cross it and so I did that and so because of that I pretty much like never like if something happened I would just immediately put a stop to it and like never really let myself even get aroused like I wasn't about to mess around with doing the second worst sin next to murder like I just wasn't (laughs) so um yeah, so I was like very good, good, quote unquote, good when it came to this. Another lesson that I actually never had in the context of chastity, but that I have heard from a lot of my friends that they had this, was um, the toothpaste lesson where when you're teaching, like when they're teaching kids about chastity, they give them a tube of toothpaste and say, squeeze this entire thing out onto a plate. And try to put it back in. And then once you've done that, like, okay, now try to put it back in. And that's supposed to be a metaphor for losing your virginity, I guess. And is that like, you can never take that back. Which first of all, doesn't even go with church teachings because you can repent for anything. Yeah, that's true. And second of all, like, okay, like we're just going to teach people that they're damaged goods after they like have sex. Like that's not okay um I did get one lesson that was kind of similar where um my teacher made like a cake and this wasn't about chastity it was just about like sitting in general and she was like yeah this is like this beautiful cake I made but um I used car fluid instead of oil like who wants to take a bite and um it was kind of like a symbolism for like just one sin can ruin the whole entire person um and then she just like threw the entire cake in the trash and that was supposed to be us (laughs) oh my god so that was kind of crazy that was trash if you sin (laughs) yeah so that was kind of crazy and it's like a lesson for like make sure you repent or else like one sin can ruin it 
And that wasn't about chastity, but that's a lesson that I've always remembered because I'm like, well, I guess if I do one thing wrong, like I'm just trash now. Yeah. Um, anyways, that's kind of just a couple lessons that I was remembering that I was like, oh, that's probably not good. (laughs) Um, but anyways, so growing up, I was very into making out. I made out with many guys and I dated a lot in high school and college but every time it starts to go farther than just kissing, like if they try to touch my boobs or put their hand under my shirt or something, I would always just move their hands away, say no, stop them. And um, it kind of just led to me like never being able to relax when I was with a guy because my mind was always just like racing, like, is this too far? Is this okay? Should I be putting a stop to this? Um, so that was like dating. And then when I was dating Colby, my husband there were times when like there was a lot of sexual tension and this was especially after we got engaged because like you're so close to getting married I guess I don't know but the sexual tension was like super high and we would like go into the living room and play cards or something instead of being in the bedroom so that we wouldn't wouldn't let things go too far but that was just like something we were taught like if you're in a situation and it's getting heated go do something else or go be around other people so yeah that's just so funny to me that we did that (laughs) um along with all of this I never ever masturbated growing up I think that is it's not explicitly talked about in the first strength of youth but it says do not arouse these emotions in your own body which is basically saying don't masturbate Um, So we were pretty much taught that masturbation was a sin. Your body is a temple. You shouldn't be doing anything like that to defile it. And this led to me being very uncomfortable with that side of my sexuality. And I didn't know my own body well. And I think that was even part of like why I never let things go too far. Because I was just like so... That was so foreign to me. Like I didn't understand those emotions at all. Yeah. I think I'll get into this later, but I think that's like a huge part of it is like now I'm having so many problems because of this exact thing. Mm -hmm. Like I don't know myself. I'm very naive to just all of it in general. And like, yeah, I'll talk about it later. Um, Okay. So now we're going to talk about the repentance process for like, if you did break the law of chastity, what happens in the church so if you break the law of chastity you have to repent and that entails going to your bishop and answering questions that he asks you well it can happen different ways like you can just go in and start telling him and then he'll probably ask questions to figure out what you have to do to fully repent so some questions that i've been asked as well as some that i haven't been asked but have heard from other people that the bishop asks you when you go into repent is were clothes on and off did you enjoy it did he give you oral did you give him oral did you or him finish and then another step of repentance or i guess it's not really a step but it's just like something that we're taught is involving the sacrament oh i found it oh um it is called so there's an episode of a podcast that kind of talks a bit more about this process with like talking to your bishop about sexual sin when you're a teenager specifically a teenage girl and so if you want to learn more about that it is 
episode 661 of this american life and it's called the old man on my shoulder it's really really good go listen to it back when you were talking about masturbation i think when girls are not taught anything about it but i think guys are are taught a lot about not to masturbate yeah. because of pornography and guys are always well, taught because i think it's more natural for guys to just like know how to do it and yeah. just like do it yeah and like also guys are taught a lot about not watching porn mm-hmm. and girls aren't really yeah. which is like kind of sexist like why wouldn't <laughs> girls watch it either? yeah so yeah that podcast episode but there's also i found it on reddit there's like there's a specific podcast of an ex-mormon that talks about all this stuff and like the 24 questions or whatever that oh yeah um bishops ask that are really inappropriate to be asking 12 year old girls and it was like a huge issue in the church and one of these there's a guy i forgot his name that's like a huge advocate for it and got excommunicated yeah i think they talk about it on this american oh, life really? too so you can probably find it from there <clears throat> yeah so there's a lot of like resources finding out more about that if you're interested um so yeah back to the sacrament the sacrament is water and bread that you partake of as a reminder of the covenants that you're keeping to god so essentially every time you partake of the sacrament you're making that promise to god again and like promising that you're keeping those commandments and covenants so the sacrament is passed around the congregation every sunday where everyone can see you take it or not take it And we're taught from a young age that if you aren't keeping the commandments or your covenants, then you should not partake of the sacrament because obviously like you're not keeping that promise. And to me, this was like the most humiliating and intimidating thing growing up. Like I knew I shouldn't take the sacrament if I did something wrong because, but also like everyone would know that you're not taking it. And usually you're sitting like right next to your family members or your neighbors at church. So they would all definitely like give you a weird look or ask about it later if you were to not take it. And like, especially for me at my church growing up. So there's like pews on the side, like little smaller ones. Like my family took up a whole side of the, like, because I live in a small town and I have a lot of cousins and aunts and So, like, it was, like, six pews in front and six pews in back that were all my family. And so, it was just, like, very intimidating if I were to do something with my boyfriend and then decide not to take the sacrament, then literally everybody in the congregation knows that I did something wrong. And I don't know about everybody else, but um, my mind immediately, like, if I saw someone um, didn't take the sacrament, I immediately went to, like, oh, they, like, fold around with their significant other. Like, it immediately went to sexual mm-hmm. transgression, not, like, oh, they, I don't know, what's a small, I don't know, a smaller drink sin. Coffee. Yeah, they <laughs> drink coffee, know. so they can't take the sacrament. I don't know. But, like, like, I'm guilty of that, so if I was thinking that, other people also were thinking that. Yeah, I totally was guilty of that, too. Yeah, and because, like, that's how our brains are trained like to believe that's the worst sin so if they're not and the sacrament is such like a huge part of the church and like sacred thing Mm -hmm. that like if you're not doing the most sacred thing you're then you're doing the worst thing yeah and like most people if they did commit a small sin like drinking coffee or something like that like they they still still take take the sacrament yeah um because only you are holding yourself accountable to what yeah to what you're doing um But I feel like this reinforces that thought process of like not being able to talk about it openly or get educated or like be comfortable with sex because of like the public humiliation and like shame and guilt and um, like just uncomfortable 
like feeling that is in the church culture. Okay, so this is a story about like me and my high school boyfriend. So I was, I only kissed three boys in high school. Like I did not date because I think it's just like a different culture in California of dating. Like nobody goes on dates. And so I never really did that. I had like my first kiss and then I had um, another guy that I sort of dated and all we ever did was kiss. And then I had my high school boyfriend who I dated for the longest. I don't know why I said high school boyfriend because all of this was in high school. (laughs) Um, So me and my boyfriend, we would like fool around a little bit, but it was mainly like handsy stuff. Like he would like feel my boobs or like we would do like dry humping stuff like I don't know yeah I think a lot of whatever I'm not going to generalize but so like no oral never had sex nothing past just handsy things and like Shannon said I was that was like constantly going through my mind of like is this too far should we stop I feel guilty I feel bad like I am gonna have to repent for this like literally while I'm making out with him I'm like I'm gonna have to repent for this And like, that's just the thoughts that were always racing through my mind. And I felt extremely guilty for everything and anything that we did, even if it was just making out. Um, And when I was in high school, I never repented about it because my bishop was really good friends with my mom. So like they had grown up together and were really close. And like his daughter was one of my babysitters growing up. And like, it was just like that everybody knows everything kind of situation and so I always felt weird like I'm not gonna go to him and tell him about that like my boyfriend touched my boob like I don't know it just felt really weird so um I never did that when I was applying for colleges BYU was the only school I wanted to go to like it was the only thing that I ever thought about was like going to BYU because there's lots of Mormons and I wanted to be surrounded by people that were like me and like didn't want to be an outcast anymore. And in order to apply for BYU, you have to have an interview with your bishop and your stake president. And I was so nervous for my interview with the stake president. And the only thing in my head were like all the sins, quote unquote, that I had committed with my boyfriend and I was like talking myself into lying about it because I hadn't repented about it yet. And I really wanted to get into BYU. And so the interview came and I remember walking up to, it was like at his house. I don't know why, but. Yeah, that's kind of weird. I, yeah, it was at his house. And I just remember like my mom dropped me off and I was like walking up to his door and like I just kept saying to myself, I'm like, it's fine. Just tell him that you are following the word of the law of chastity. And like, I just was kept trying to convince myself. Then the interview came, or I was inside. Then the question came, have you kept the law of chastity? And I just like straight up lied and said yes. And then I remember him asking follow-up questions. Like he was like, are you sure? Like there's nothing you need to tell me. And I was like, nope, like I'm fine. And I he saw right through me. I know it. <laughs> Um, so I lied. The interview was over. BYU is the only school that I did not get into. And I got into 18 schools. Schools that are harder than BYU (laughs) to get into. And I got into them. And so I, like, to this day, I I think it's because of that. Which is, like, so infuriating. But, (laughs) like, I I don't know why it was. Like, I had the grades. I honestly think that he said something or didn't approve me or something like that it was because of that stake president's 
interview that he didn't get in. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't, I don't know. But I think that's damaging also. I think it worked out for the best. Yeah. I'm <laughs> so glad I didn't get into BYU. So continuing the story, shortly into my first year of college at SCU, not BYU, the pressure of Utah culture and the difference in like the standards and upholding the standards between Utah and California were like very drastic. Like in California, I was the only one holding myself accountable because there wasn't that many like members around me, especially at high school in high school. And in Utah, everyone's Mormon and everyone's up like living up to those standards and following the rules and all of that stuff. And I think it all kind of just got to me and I couldn't go a day without having extreme guilt about the things that I had done with my boyfriend. And I remember one day sitting in church and not being able to think about literally anything. Like I was talking to Marisa and like, I couldn't even focus on what she was saying because I was thinking about like, I need to repent. And like, this was months later. So that Sunday I just like got up and went to the Bishop's office and confessed everything. And at the time, like I did feel like a huge weight being lifted off my shoulders for that because I knew I had done the right thing. And finally I was free of this sin. And like now looking back on it, I think a lot of members will be like, yeah, like that's the spirit. And yeah, that means that it is a sin. Yeah. A burden Mm -hmm. was lifted, which means you did sin, which means like, it is a good thing, whatever. But I think I only felt that way because that's how I had been taught to feel. And like we had been taught that it was so bad in the first place. So it makes sense that now I'm freed of this sin. But like if I hadn't been taught that way, I wouldn't have felt that way. Yeah, have you like, thought it was a yeah, sin to begin with? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay, this is another story from somebody else that gets me fired up. Okay, so this is about... A girl that I know. While at the MTC, she confessed to... This is a secondhand story, so someone else is telling this. So while at the MTC, she confessed to her mission president a sexual transgression that she had performed oral sex on a young man the year prior. This young man had confessed that he had received oral sex and he was allowed to continue his mission. The mission president at the MTC asked her how many times it had happened, if he was erect, how many times he ejaculated, where she allowed him to ejaculate, whether or not she felt aroused during the process, if she had done this with any other young men, if so, how many times, etc. When the young man was not asked any of these types of questions, she was sent home and told she could return to the MTC in a year after she had gone through the repentance process with her bishop at home. When she got home, she had to go back through this entire questioning process by older men whom she had grown up with her entire life, digging into her sexual sins in great detail about all the things she had ever done, including things she had already repented of. She didn't ever go back to the MTC. This makes me irate. (laughs) Yeah, it's pretty bad. The guy is the one literally being aroused, having the pleasure from it which we're taught is all the the wrong things like but he can just keep yep just go serve a mission and she has to be asked all these detailed questions humiliating her and shaming her and then she didn't even serve a mission after that Mm -hmm. and it just like goes back to the repentance process and like how it's 
so uncomfortable, especially for women, because it is like an older man asking you questions about sex that you have to answer because it's like your like worthiness in question. And yeah, like I can't imagine going through that and not being like very emotionally scarred and ever wanting to do anything like that again. Yeah. Even after marriage, you know? Mm hmm. Um, so I don't have a lot of personal experience with like the specific repentance process for the law of chastity because like I said before, I never even allowed myself to get to a point where I'd have to repent or I didn't think that anything I did was that bad. Like I definitely did some of the things like being alone in a bedroom, (laughs) lying on top of another person, kissing. I don't know, Shannon, I think you have some (laughs) stuff to repent about. Hugging sessions. Um... (laughs) But I, like, I kind of just always saw it as, like, you shouldn't do these things because they might lead to sex. And to me, it's, like, it never led to sex, so it's not that big of a deal. Um, But one time in high school, I did let my boyfriend touch my boobs and kiss underneath my bra. And I felt horrible about that. Um, And then, like, literally, I was, like, on my way home from making out with him in his car And I, on my way, called my bishop and left a message to say, like, I need to come do an appointment. And then I, but he didn't answer because it was like, who knows what time (laughs) of the night on like a Friday night or something. So I left a message and then I got home and I was still feeling so bad. So I told my mom about what happened and she was like, my mom, my mom like always came through. She was like, that's not that big of a deal like I don't think you need to talk to the bishop and she probably like saw how guilty I felt and was like she's fine like she feels guilty enough so she was like if he calls you back like just say it was nothing (laughs) like okay so I never went to that um but I think there's definitely some things that like if I had been more concerned about it myself like I pro like other people in that situation probably would have told their bishop about it I just never did and yeah never really thought it was that big of a deal this is just like a short thing about like relationships that I've had in the past so like my college relationships I guess um there's like a lot to get into with it but I'll just like sum up the past ones by saying it was just like a lot of messing up like fooling around and the thinking like okay i'm gonna have to repent about this later and then repenting and then rinse repeat like then you just do it all over again and because like i don't know how could you not like when you like someone or like even love someone like it's just a natural response and like a natural thing to do with someone that you like so it's like bound to happen and i just remember that that like process was so annoying of like wanting to do it and like your your body wants it and then you do something and then you have to repent and then a week later it happens again and then you have to repent like it's just like really annoying and I just remember with um Taylor specifically I was the one that always was like okay like did you go and repent about this because I already repented about it and he's like no and like it's kind of I think it's kind of easier when you don't go and repent because then it's just like a continuing 
sin mm-hmm. that like it's like oh just add on to the last sin mm-hmm. instead of like a whole new sin that you're I don't know the way that we think about this stuff is so fucked up. <laughs> but um yeah I remember asking Taylor and he's like no I didn't and I was like oh, well I already did and so like I want to do this less because I'm like clean mm-hmm. <laughs> or whatever oh, I don't know I don't that's all I have to say about past relationships, I guess, is that it's just annoying. Yeah, I think I mostly talked about, like, the big things in my past relationships, but um, I do think that part of what made it easier for me is that I have a secondary sexuality attraction type, so, like, I prefer to have a romantic relationship first, and then my sexual attraction to them grows over time from there, so... I like was very into casual makeouts, but I didn't really have a huge desire to go farther than that with anyone I didn't know well. So like my problems only came from like boyfriends that I had long term and like only really I only really had like three long term relationships. One of them, the guy was like preparing to go on a mission within like the next few months and so he was like more concerned about it than I was even. And then the other two I basically was just like, okay, like these are the lines, like we're not crossing them. Um, but I have been reading this book called Shameless, which we'll recommend at the end. Shout out to Anna and Beth for recommending it. It's really good. <laughs> but it's about sex and religion and how sometimes they just like don't play well together. And there's this part where the author talks about how um, there are so many, so many people in the world and the type of life and sexuality that christianity teaches which is like you're straight you're celibate until marriage you're faithful to the church um the people who fit into that bubble are such a small percentage of people and like that's just the straight up fact about it like there's so many people who just naturally do not fit into that circle but she also talks about how like there are people who fit into that who can like be very happy waiting until marriage and like not doing any of these things and then when they get married they're everything's great and they're like yeah this is what makes me happy um and I think I was one of those people who fit into that bubble like right up until I got married and so I think that's kind of like what made it a little easier for me was it just like worked for my personality but I think a lot of that changed after I got married and I didn't really fit into that anymore This is the part that I'm really scared to talk about because this is like problems currently that I'm dealing with um, from basically I'm having these problems because of everything that we've talked about up to this point. Um, So it's like very hard and vulnerable for me to talk about, but I also feel like it needs to be said because I think a lot of people deal with this stuff and it's like very relatable thing, but it's hard because I've been taught from like society and culture and church and friends and family that sex or anything sexual before marriage is like a horrible, awful sin, at, like as awful as murder that we've talked about. Um, and like, how do you get past that? And like me admitting things when I'm not married um, is like really hard to do because there are people who view it as horrible and awful, like as as I was taught. So I translate that to them viewing me as like horrible and awful as that sin so I don't know if that makes sense but it's like 
like sex before marriage is so awful and so i think that translates to people who do who have sex before marriage are awful mm-hmm. and so i'm like scared to say stuff because i mean i think it's obvious that i've had sex before marriage <laughs> up to this point but um like now people will people view me differently or like now do they think i'm a horrible awful person and i think it's just like going back to what we were taught about like the cake being tossed in the trash you know like now if people are gonna view me as like a trash person and like i guess in the back of my mind i'm viewing myself as that even though i don't believe that anymore it's still subconsciously in my mind from mm-hmm. how i was raised so anyway i just like get really frustrated in regards to sex and like all sexual things now that i'm not in the church anymore because i want to be like everyone who wasn't raised lds and be experienced and know everything and be confident and enjoy sex every time but i have this background and all these things teaching all these teachings that are just like nailed into my brain that are always just sitting there kind of like mocking me like saying like yeah you want to enjoy sex but you shouldn't like you're not supposed to you know like i don't know and so i have all these like mental blocks all the time about every little thing um just like a side story i'm trying to be just like very general about this because it's so vulnerable but the second time i ever had sex i completely dissociated during it and um it felt like i wasn't even there like my eyes were just glossed over and i literally like just felt like I was just laying there and like my body was somewhere or like my spirit and my mind were like somewhere else and I think that that happened because I was so confused if I actually wanted to do it or did I want to do it because now I'm not in the church anymore so now I can do it without supposedly without the guilt or I just like really want to do it because I like the guy and like we were connecting on a new level I think just like all those thoughts are very very confusing once you leave the church um and are not married because you're still like not sure it's just like being born again pretty much like now you have to figure out like I'm going through things right now that everyone went through when they were 16 Mm -hmm. or everyone that wasn't raised LDS or religious and like that's extremely frustrating to me because the partners that I have had are more experienced than me and it makes me feel just lesser of a person almost so yeah there's just like a lot of confusing thoughts when you've been taught one thing your entire life and now you don't really believe that anymore and you actually believe like it's a good healthy enjoyable happy thing that you want to do with someone that you like but you have to retrain your brain to like really believe that and you aren't i'm not like sure what i want and it's hard for you to not feel like pressure of the pressure of enjoying it and like i don't know how do you like how do you enjoy it if you don't know anything about it Mm -hmm. and like i don't know how to explain how i feel because it's like i'm still trying to figure it out like i guess this is more a more specific example but i have like a really hard time doing things to or for my partners because of a lot of things but a big part of it is that it's such like a taboo thing to even talk about and now i'm here doing those things which should be wrong but now i don't think that they're wrong 
and I just like feel incredibly naive on the topics and don't know if I'm doing it right. Do they like it? They've had way more experience than me, so that's intimidating. What do they want? I just like feel embarrassed about anything that I try or do. And then like on top of that, going back to the modesty, I'm insecure about my body and just like very uncomfortable with myself and with my partner. And it just like really gets in the way of my relationships because it's not fun for like my partner to struggle through all of that with me because my partner in general, like any partner I'm with is a normal, I'm going to say 26 because I'm 26, but like a person my age also in sex time like is in their 20s and i'm 16 years old in sex time and it's just like it's just like so frustrating to be like i don't know what i'm doing i don't know anything i can't i feel like i can't like i talk about it obviously with you and like with friends but it's still it's still just like different because I'm not married and so I'm like dealing with that whole thing of like how people will view me and then on top of that it's just like a whole new experience I don't know I'm just like going in circles because I'm not finding ways to actually say what I mean but it's just not easy and I think that it's I don't want to specifically blame anybody but it is how I was raised and like the things that I was taught And like going back to the sex ed, I think like if I had had the sex talk with my parents or the culture and society had been more open to just talking about it, then I wouldn't be so afraid and intimidated and embarrassed right now to like even talk about those things with my partner and like do things. And I think it's just like a huge thing of me being 16 year old (laughs) figuring stuff out, but my partner is not figuring that out with me because he's way past that. Yeah, I think that makes sense. Yeah. But, like, basically right now what I believe is, like, sex is just a natural thing that I think should be done when you're ready and are with someone who you care about and you know that they care about you also. Um, Like Shannon said earlier, she likes having, like, relationships with the person before the sexual intimacy, the intimacy part of it. And I definitely think I'm more like that as well. I want to make sure that this person cares about me and it's not just about the sex. Um, But I have hooked up with people who don't know me very well. And I I guess you could call it a one night stand, even though it didn't go all the way to sex. But and it definitely makes me feel like shit because it's like, wow, like they didn't care about me at all. And then you, you think you're a trash person all over again. And I think that that's, like, very damaging. But, like, I'm not saying one-night stands are bad. Like, you could do what you want. But I'm just saying that you should... I believe that you should be with someone that you care about. And it doesn't necessarily mean you have to be married to them. This is just, like, a kind of a side note about what the church teaches. I have heard a lot of women say that the church teaches... Not only sex after marriage, but also that a woman's purpose is to serve the man and it's the woman's responsibility to please the man. I don't think that I ever felt that being raised, um, but I think there's definitely something of that nature going on because I've heard it from multiple people. 
Um, yeah, I don't think I ever really felt like that either, but I yeah. think it's kind of like one of those messages that isn't really taught, but it's like implied mm-hmm. where it's like you wait till marriage to have sex. And then like, like we talked about earlier, a woman's purpose is to raise children. Yeah. And so it's not necessarily like, Oh, women are here to please a man, but it's basically saying that without saying it. Yeah. Kind of. I think a lot of, um, yeah, it's kind of like ingrained subconsciously into your mind. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and then this, I'm just going to read because I think some of what she says is like good points, I guess. I don't know. Um, but she says, as a woman, you're supposed to be responsible for giving your spouse what he wants, when he wants it, how he wants it, whenever he wants it. And your pleasure doesn't even come secondary because ultimately your pleasure as a woman doesn't matter. You're there for his physical needs and to bear his children. And I think so many young LDS wives and mothers don't ever get to fully discover and experience a healthy and fulfilling sex life because no one ever told them it was okay for them to feel pleasure. It was okay for them to ask for the things they enjoy. Frankly, no one ever took the time to let them discover what they enjoy, and heaven knows they didn't discover it themselves because female masturbation isn't even discussed with young women. Oh, yeah. She says, this is one of my biggest issues with how the church handles marital intimacy um, is that instead of it being a mutual expression of love where both parties are actively trying to bring their partner pleasure as a physical expression of that love, it's treated so much more like a wife's duty and a husband's right. And again, like I never felt this, but I have heard several people express that, that, that they feel that's what's being taught. Yeah. And I think it goes back to the fact that there is no sex ed Mm -hmm. because it's like, if you don't, if your husband or your partner does not even know the clitoris exists, how is he supposed to know that a woman can express? that or how a woman can experience pleasure yeah and like a lot of women don't know that either yeah and which is like so um, scary rihanna told me she said that almost everything she has learned from sex has been from men that she's been with which is horrible yeah what do they know about women (laughs) like you know and like it's kind of true because if you're not taught it then you're going to just be taught that from going through it with your partner if you're LDS and get married to them or just from experience of all of the guys that you're with Mm -hmm. and I don't know like part of it is true like you learn from experiences but also you should know what you're going into yeah you should have some kind of basis yeah and again like I don't think the church should teach that necessarily like it's not their place to be like here's the clitoris right but like it's someone's place yeah that needs to happen (laughs) yeah Um, Okay, so some of the issues that I'm dealing with or have dealt with, basically, I already said that I waited until marriage, which I don't necessarily regret, Um, but at the same time, like, after getting married, sex was so hard to figure out. Like, sex has a learning curve just like anything else, and um, it was... And Colby also waited until marriage. And so we were basically like starting from ground zero. Like we had no idea what we were doing. There was no one there to teach us what to do. So yeah, it was like really hard. There was a huge learning curve and I still had a lot of leftover anxiety habits. Like the habits of like when I was making out with someone thinking, is this too far? Is this okay? And I wasn't necessarily thinking that, but I had those habits of like when you're in a sexual moment 
your your mind is racing and like do I like this what's going on all those things and it made it really hard to like enjoy sex for a long time um and even still sometimes it's still hard and it's just like you get the message growing up your entire life never have sex sex is bad do not do it and then all of a sudden you're married and it's like now you can have sex it's great do anything you want it's amazing um there and I think there's kind of this like unspoken idea that if you save yourself for marriage you're gonna get the blessings of great sex and that is just not how it works (laughs) like and I don't think that's taught but like there's it's basically like like a reward sex is great you know And so I thought I was like a huge failure for the first few years, like years of being sexually active because I wasn't enjoying it every time. I didn't know what I liked. I was never finishing. And like you grow up with the message that sex is sacred and intimate and wonderful. And then you find out that sometimes it is not any of those things. And that is like very jarring. Yeah, because you think that's like, oh, I'm married. Now it's going to be great. And, like, really all I ever heard, like, even from my own parents was, like, it's going to hurt the first few times, but after that, it's fine, like, and great. Yeah. And, like, it's Literally not... every person tells you that. Yeah. Like, I've heard it so many times. And, like, it's good to set up the expectation that's, like, going to hurt the first few times because it does, but, like, it's but still also, not great after that. Like, you still like, have a lot of things to learn. Yeah, and it's so individual, too. Like, I know mm-hmm. people where it hurt them, like, a year still. Oh, yeah. It hurt uh, me for their a marriage. long time. Yeah. And so it's, like... I don't know. Yeah. Um, And so along with that, I think one of the things that has been the hardest for me is just like not knowing my own body because I never masturbated and I never let myself become aroused enough to find out what I liked. Um, And I personally just think like masturbating, it's so scary that you're taught not to do that Yeah. because it's so important not only to your like relationship with your partner eventually, but also for your relationship with yourself. Like it helps you like relieve stress. It helps you figure out what you're, what you like and what you don't like and Um, how you're stimulated. One thing I was, I put in, but I deleted (laughs) earlier, but like I still to this day talk myself out of masturbating Yeah, because it's wrong to me. Oh, like yeah. still, I still well, feel I, so wrong when I do it. Yeah. And I don't necessarily like, I don't think it's wrong, but I feel like I haven't done it for so long, but I'm so uncomfortable with doing it. Like, yeah. I don't know what to do. I get bored. I don't like, I just don't know how to do it. And so I avoid it yeah. because I'm like, this is just awkward and I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. And I feel like I'm just doing it wrong. Yeah. So anyway, I just think that's like a very sad thing that the church teaches is that like it's bad for you to even be aroused when you're alone because like how are you ever going to be able to do it without anxiety if you can't even like be alone with yourself and do it yeah um another thing was that consent was a foreign idea to me like I the only thing I ever heard about consent was in the context of rape Like, if you're raped, you didn't consent, and it's not your fault. But, like, there's so much more to consent, and no one ever tells you about that, especially in the church. Like, it just goes back to the idea of, oh, one thing is, so consent was never, ever taught in the church. And one piece of marriage advice I actually got was, 
if your husband asks you for sex, you should never say no. What the? Which, like, what the actual freak? Like, (laughs) that is not okay. Like, and it just goes back to the idea that, first of all, you're there to please your husband, but also the idea of sex is bad, sex is bad, but now that you're married, do whatever you want. But that does not mean you should do things you're uncomfortable with just because you can. And no one ever talks about that. Like consent is so important. And I think that's something that I have had to learn a lot about is just like Colby is like extremely respectful, would never want me to do something I don't want to. But there was like this idea in my head that like, oh, we're married. So now it's like a free game. Yeah. Like, and that's whatever he wants to do, we can do or whatever I want to do, we can do. And that's not how it is. Like, it has to be both people consenting. Yeah, and that's something that I'm, like, struggling with as well is, like, if I'm not sure if I want to be doing this, am I consenting? Or, like, like, just that weird, like, gray area where, like, I've had to learn or, like, I'm learning right now, like, just vocalize and be like specifically very clear Mm -hmm. and like it's kind of hard for me because I honestly don't know what I like want right now because I'm struggling with all of this stuff and it's like also like I want to do this for this person but does that mean that I want to do it or I'm like subconsciously being forced to Mm -hmm. because I know he wants it yeah if that makes sense and like that's I don't think that I would ever, if I really, really did not want to do something, then I would not do it. But it's still kind of that, like, am I talking myself into it? And like, does that mean that I'm not consenting? Like, it's just all like very blurry. Yeah. And that's not necessarily even a church problem either. I think consent is something that has been talked about more and more recently as like we've understood more about it. But, um, I think it's like, there's definitely this idea that like, once you're married, go ahead and do whatever your husband wants or go ahead and do whatever. I can't believe that someone told you that. (laughs) Yeah. It's pretty bad. Never say no. What the hell? Yeah. Um, another thing which I haven't really talked about a lot is, um, one thing that has been really hard for me is figuring out my own sexuality, which has just kind of come at an awkward time because I got married very young, like very young. I was 21 and, um, I just like, because of all the things of not letting myself get aroused or not masturbating or not doing any of these things, I didn't understand my own sexuality. And I've had to do that while being married, which is just like, it's not necessarily a bad thing, but it's just kind of awkward. Um, and so like trying to find out answers because of the questions of like, what kinds of things turn me on? What am I into? What works for me and what doesn't work for me? And could I possibly also be into girls? Um, like growing up, I was always attracted to men and because of the standards in the church, like AKA LGBTQ plus activity is a sin. I never even considered being attracted to women. Like that was not an option that never entered my brain. Um, but as I've like gone older, left the church, started like understanding myself more, I like know now that I am attracted to women, at least physically. And so like, what the heck do I do with that information now? Like I'm in a marriage, like I obviously want to be in my marriage. Like I love Colby, but it's like, that's such an awkward thing to 
find out to later. find out and like accept about myself later on um so yeah I don't think I've ever talked about that before <laughs> surprise um, <laughs> And then the last thing is just like trying to figure out my own psychology, which has been kind of a weird journey because like we've kind of said, like, I don't think all these problems come from growing up in the church. And I think a lot of women and men have insecurities about intimacy, whether they've been raised in a high demand religion or not. And these issues exist in the broader society, which is why we have feminism and why we need feminism. Um, but I think growing up in a church like this amplifies them. So like trying to figure out where this mental block came from, how to address it has been kind of hard in some instances. Like one example is, um, with like orgasms, it's completely natural for people with vaginas to not orgasm every time they have sex or even every other time or even at all. Mm -hmm. Um, and that I think is kind of like a society problem where like we need more education. We need to figure out how to make that happen more often for all women because it's such an imbalance. But for me, I think that problem was amplified because I never masturbated. I never figured out what I liked for so long. And that was because of my religion. And so it has like, it's a problem. And then it became more of a problem because of the way I was raised. Yeah, and I've been, like, talking about this in therapy because it's, like, it's a problem with my relationships. And she was like, yes, I think some of it is how you were raised in the church, but also it's just how it is with being with a new person. And, like, you guys, like, you and your partner just have to figure out what works for you and like work together and communicate. And like, I think that's, that's a thing with anybody new to sex or sex with a new person, Mm -hmm. anything, it comes with its own shit. Yeah. That's not directly related to the church. Like, yeah, I do think a lot of my problems are from that, but Mm -hmm. not all of them. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, we are, we got through it. (laughs) So I just want to end by saying like, I think we both really hope this didn't come across as us saying the church should change what they're teaching or that we're blaming the church for the things that we're dealing with. Um, I think we're simply just telling our experiences and how we interpret them as related to our life experiences. Um, But I also think what we are saying is that these beliefs about sex and intimacy that the church teaches do not work for everyone. And that's just a fact. Like they never will. And so I think like no matter what you believe, you have to come to grips with that. Like it just does not work for everyone. And whatever you think about that and from a moral standpoint is up to you. Yeah. And like, I'm not going to apologize for anything I said because it is like, it is my experience. Like it's our experiences and this is like how we feel and our emotions and like what we think causes those but yeah, it's not, it's not saying like, because you believe this and you're still in the church, you're wrong. Like mm-hmm. we're not saying no, that not at, all. at all. Like this is just our experiences. Okay. So we do have some recommendations because we can't really give advice nor are we qualified. And like s- through this episode, we have figured out like, <laughs> I'm not in a good place to give advice right now on this, but we do have some resources that we have heard about 
and we just like heard about from some people that you might want to check out that might help you in whatever situation you are in the first one is a podcast that rihanna told me about called how come c-u-m um and then i like told shannon about it and we both listened to the first episode and it's about a girl who's 28 and has never had an orgasm before and i think like I've only listened to the first episode, but I think it really normalizes things for me. Again, like there's no normal, but it just like educates me and kind of says like, like the thing that I was doing that thought that I thought was like really weird and wrong. And then listening to the podcast, it's like, oh, they do that too. And like, so it becomes like a thing that is normal. And also I think that boys should listen to it too because it eliminates the expectations that I think a lot of boys always have and just like educates them on like more, I don't know, educates them on like what's really going on Mm -hmm. because it gives like a lot of statistics of like only 7% of women orgasm with penetrative sex. Yeah. And like, I think a lot of boys think like that's how it happens that ha- yeah that a yeah. girl orgasms every single time with pen- penetrative sex and mm-hmm. like no <laughs> yeah so i think yeah I, I really liked it like it so far yeah and then there's also an episode of explained on netflix i think it's just called the female orgasm i'm not positive about that it's in the first season but um they interview the same girl who runs that podcast and there's a lot of information and research about the female orgasm it's very interesting you can check that out first and then if that is interesting to you then you can listen to the podcast but I think both are really cool and valuable Mm -hmm. um and then we also already mentioned the episode of this American life called the old man on my shoulder um it's done by Elna Baker who also grew up in the LDS church and talks about um their repentance process for the law of chastity and then another one that i really 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 love is um a series from radio lab called in the know um no is spelled n-o and it is a three-part series about consent um this has nothing to do with religion but it teaches they explore all the different facets of consent and um it's very very interesting and informative um radio lab also has a series with six parts called gonads which is kind of about a lot of different aspects of sex sex ed gender fertility um those kinds of things and that's pretty interesting they both um both of those series came out within the last year so you can just look them up on radiolab um and then finally the book that i talked about earlier it's called shameless by nadia bulls weber um this book is like truly very very good and very um what's the word reassuring because if you have been through things with religion and sex and you think that you're alone or you're the only person who has been through it like this book basically like reaffirms everything and it's very good it's also very religious like it looks at this from a religious point of view so i feel like if you are a member if you're a member of the church, like it's still a really awesome book to read because it might make you understand things in a new way. Um, but the author is a Lutheran pastor who ministers to people who feel they have been damaged by religion. And this book is geared toward people whose faith backgrounds have made them, made them feel shame about sex and body image. Um, she talks a lot about purity culture and has a lot of like 
scriptures and poems and interviews that just talk about how how sex and religion work together and sometimes don't work together so it's really good i highly recommend it and it's short too so it's a quick read so those are our all of our recommendations and hopefully you'll find advice or ways to cope through those yeah that's it for our episode um I really hope that we get a lot of responses from this. <laughs> like, I want people's stories. I want, like, what they're struggling with. I want, like, questions. I don't know. I love questions because I, I never know if we're, like, articulating what we mm-hmm. really want to say. So yeah. questions help us figure that out. Yeah. And also, like, ask anything. Like, yeah. I'm an open book about yeah. sex and everything. So ask away yeah <laughs> this is gonna be exciting um yeah so the ways that you can reach out my website sometimes in shamblespodcast.com there's a submission form through there that you can submit you can email directly sometimes in shamblespodcast at gmail.com my instagram sometimes in shambles my personal instagram if you're already on that my Twitter sometimes, not sometimes. <laughs> my Twitter is shambles pod, but I never tweet. Yeah, and Shannon's. And then you can reach out to me on Instagram um, at salty wanders, or um, text me <laughs> if you have. Yeah, if you have our numbers, you could text us. Um, but What's like, Colby's? also you can just message Melissa, and she'll send anything on yeah. to me as well. Um, if you want to ask Colby about his experience, his Instagram is at Hall Colby, spelled normal. <laughs> spelled normal. Um, and then also just a reminder, I think we have one week left of April, one and a half weeks left, and I'm still doing my giveaway. So if you comment on any of my Sometimes in Shambles Instagram posts or Facebook posts or mention me in your story then you will be automatically entered to win my giveaway which i am giving away a custom made shirt and some stickers so yep just want to remind you of that and that's it thank you for listening bye Bye. i hope you guys enjoyed this episode of sometimes in shambles the intro music was done by my friend lucas kathy and the artwork was done by me myself melissa If you liked this episode, please rate, review, and subscribe, and we'll see you next time.